Debate night in America. And if you're watching this, you survived that. Whatever that was that we just watched. That was weird. Um, that was bizarre. That was messy. And I don't think a lot of good came out of it, no matter who you like. I'm Dave Rubin. I'm here with whiskey. And I finally got to use, if, if nothing else positive came out of this evening, I've had these Star Wars Stormtrooper head uh, ice, you know, ice makers, basically. Can you see that there? That is a stormtrooper's head. And I've got whiskey. And I've got hardcore political analysis for you, people. Uh, we've got about eight clips from the evening. I'll give you some, some general thoughts on, uh, on what that was like. I actually thought, I didn't realize until about 10 minutes ago, I thought that thing was going another half hour. Uh, it went by kind of quick, but it, it felt like a like a slog. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of great moments. Neither one of them really went on a run. Uh, it was it was a little it was a little bizarre. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what I always try to do. Sometimes I do it better than other times. I'm gonna really try to be as uh, as nonpartisan as possible here. But I will put my cards on the table. That it's very obvious if any of you have been watching this that I am much more in line with the way conservatives are thinking these days and the way Trump has been thinking these days than I am with the Democrats and certainly Biden. So I'm just putting that out there and you can, you can sort of hold that, you can put that in your pocket as you listen to me analyze this stuff. And I would just say one other thing, if you're kind of new to what I do, uh, I have been a Democrat basically my entire life. From as early as I remember, I was thinking about this today, actually, this part got cut out of my book. But when I got into politics, it was eighth grade around 1988. And it was when Michael Dukakis was running against George H.W. Bush, the first Bush. And we did a mock trial in my class. And I was one of the campaign managers for Michael Dukakis. And I thought he was the good guy, the liberal, and Bush was the scary Republican who wanted war and money for old people and the whole thing. So as long as I've been in in, into politics, and I, I went, I was a poli-sci major in college and all that stuff, I've, I've always been a lefty. Okay, you know all that stuff about me. Uh, let's talk about what happened tonight. Now, first off, you know, as I said in the direct message this morning, it's like most people at this point, you probably know who you're voting for. You probably know it. Maybe you haven't like fully calcified the thought in your brain, but you just have an inkling of going, if you're not there yet, you just have this inkling, like most likely I'm going that way. So the question really in all of these debates and in everything that happens over the next five, six weeks is what, how many people are in that sliver of people who don't know what they're gonna do and they're gonna vote. There may be a whole hell of a lot of people who don't know what they're gonna do, but only a certain amount of them are gonna vote, right? So whatever that number is, that's what this thing is really about. And then can both sides get the base that does know what it's who, who they're gonna vote for, can they get them to get out there and vote? So that's what this is really about. Now, first off, I said it this morning, and I think uh, I was proven correct, that really all Biden had to do was show up and not make any mistakes. And although he was extremely rude, and we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff, and you know, he called Trump racist, of, co of course, and told him to shut up, and you're the worst president in history. And he had like a couple of those like sort of anger moments. He didn't lose his train of thought terribly. He didn't get mumbly fumbly. He didn't have major 
uh, errors in, in sentences. He had one or two things that he flubbed some things. At one point, he sort of implied that he was against lockdowns, but he's definitely been for lockdowns. Like some of that stuff, you know, he lied about a bunch of stuff. You know, this, this Hunter Biden thing, I mean, I just tweeted out an article about it. It does appear that the Moscow mayor's wife gave Hunter Biden $3.5 million. Um, you know, like there was like stuff like that, which he knows he can get away with because the media won't fact check him. You know, there's also stuff like, um, you know, the very fine people line that they keep saying about Trump with Charlottesville. Biden tonight said it again. That's why he got into the race because Trump said there are very fine people on both sides, implying that there are white supremacists and they're fine people and then there's everyone else and they're fine people. And this has been debunked a bajillion times. You will never see this on mainstream media. I did send a tweet about it. Do we have that tweet up there? I know we have a bunch of video. I don't know if we grabbed that tweet. Um, no, I don't think we grabbed that tweet, but I, okay, I did, I did tweet about it with a link to an actual article that shows that Trump did not just say there are very fine people on both sides. What he was talking about was the statue debate and whether you should take down a Robert E. Lee statue. He said, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said, Michael, you could pull it up actually, that, that tweet that I had on the, the, Trump, the Trump line in Charlottesville. Uh, in effect, he said, uh, I condemn the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis, but Michael will give me the tweet in just a second or I can pull it up on my phone and, and just, oh wait, I think I got it here. Yeah, so the, the quote was, uh, the, the exact quote related to very fine people, Trump said, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. So when people say he said very fine people, he's removing the people that he condemned. But of course, you're not gonna see that on ABC. I guarantee you ain't gonna see that on CNN tonight and everywhere else. So, so look, Biden did some of those moves, but he kept, you know, I was about to say he kept his cool. It's not that he kept his cool. His head didn't explode. And, and the, the expectations, I think, were so low that that's all he had to do. His head didn't explode. He, he reminded people a little bit of what an old politician is, which by the way, Trump had some good moments on that when he kept, the best line that Trump had, I think, was I've done more in 47 months than you did in 47 years. I mean, Trump, if, if, if Biden actually can keep going here, well then Trump's move has to be, you never accomplished anything. Any of the things you're complaining about now, you never accomplished in all your years, so why would you be the guy that could do it now? He also got Biden to say he's not for the, for the Green New Deal and a couple other things. So that, that's some stuff on Biden. There was some good, there was some anger, uh, there was some dishonest stuff, okay. Trump, I think, was basically okay, but he was very jumpy right out of the gate. Like, I think he was trying to go for the knockout punch right off the top, so he was very combative with Chris Wallace, and we know this is, this is what he does, right? Like, this is part of his tactic. I don't think this was something that was happening by mistake. But, you know, he gets into it with the moderator. He gets into it with the other guy. You know, he never insulted Biden the way Biden insulted him, right? He, you know, the, when Biden calls him racist, it's like this, this is meaningless. But like, they were talking about critical race theory, which, by the way, you know, Chris Wallace, and this is one, look, I know what it's like to be an interviewer, and I've, I've hosted some debates, but, but never a presidential debate and, and with such combative people, although I did do that Candace Owens, Blair White thing that was uh, pretty nutty. Uh, some of you remember that, save Dave. Um, but what Chris Wallace does is he asks questions that he sort of knows are not real questions. So when he asks the question about Charlottesville and very fine people, you, you can't tell me that Chris Wallace doesn't know that that is not true, that the premise of the question is not true. Or a minute later, not a minute later, but right around there when, it, when they moved it over to critical race theory um, and he's trying to, to pose the question, Chris Wallace, 
pose the question as if it's anti-racism training. So everyone's against anti-racism, except critical race theory is racism. So now Trump can either spend his time trying to explain that, or he can just sort of go ahead and steamroll. And his, his method is to go ahead and steamroll. So I think, no, if you want the bumper sticker on this whole thing, I, I don't think there was any major winner. I don't think Trump walks out of this thing going, wow, I just mopped up and you know, people saw that, that Biden cognitively can't do it and that he's a puppet to the left. Like, I don't think that stuff really landed. And I don't think anyone walked away and said that, that Biden really won this thing. I think the Biden people and the mainstream media, if you've got CNN or any of those channels on now, I'm sure they're all saying that, that Biden won and Trump was angry and blah, blah, blah. Although Biden was really the angry one. Like someone should do a supercut. If, if you guys wanna uh, tweet it at me, I'll, I'll retweet it. If someone could do a supercut of all the insults that Biden threw Trump's way. Um, and he's supposed to be, you know, and he keeps saying, you know, you're not presidential. And then it's like, you're dumb, you're a racist, you know, you're an idiot, you know, to that effect. Um, I think the Biden people internally right now are breathing a major sigh of relief. Like, I don't think they thought that he would be able to be up there and not have any major gaffes and not completely lose himself and the rest of it. So I don't know what that is. Like, they rested this guy. Maybe that really is what it is. Look, there were 11 days this month, as I said this morning, where the Biden campaign put a lid on his campaign. So he had no public speaking after about 10 a.m., 11 times this month. So was the guy well rested? Did he finally get his head on straight? I don't know, I don't know, uh, but, but he did not implode. And I think that that sort of is a win for him, just that in and of itself. So let's go to a couple of clips here. As I said before, there were, there were no like major knockout moments. There were no moments that everyone online was like, that was it, like, you know, like we can really call a clean cut, clean cut winner. By the way, if you're watching any other analysis right now and they're telling you there was absolutely a clean cut winner, like like no doubt, and, and that it moved votes. That's what it really is, that it moved votes. Not just that your guy feels good about it, right? So whether, you, if you love Trump or you love Biden right now, it's like, I don't think you can honestly say that your guy knocked it out of the park at the moment. You could, we could all disagree on, okay, this guy did a little better or something like that, but I don't think you can say anyone knocked it out of the park. So uh, let's go to this first clip. This is clip number one. This is Biden refusing to answer whether he will pack the courts if he becomes president. So my question to you is, you have refused in the past to talk about it. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or packing the court? Whatever position I take in that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Court? Let Vote now. Are you pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know he doesn't you're want a senator. I'm not going to answer the question Why because. Okay, so vote now. You're right, Joe. People should vote. And you're not going to believe this one, and this is where it's going to get tough for you, Joe. They did vote. They did vote for this Senate. They did vote for this president. And Trump, Trump did have a good line on this when he, he loosely quoted Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who said that these people are voted in for their term. The president is not voted in for three years or three years and six months. The president's voted in for four years. So he's supposed to do his job for four years. If you're a contractor and you're doing a job, you don't just chop off the time at the end because you're close to being at the end. So the Senate is supposed to do their job and the president's supposed to do their job. It's fairly obvious that what Biden was doing here um, was, well, A, it's the political trick that both sides play, right? If somebody's, if an incumbent is getting to the end and there's an election, 
you don't want him to be able to choose the Supreme Court nominee. The Republicans did this with Obama, right? Merrick Garland, we, we know this. Uh, but Trump also, I thought, had an effective line on that, which was, well, they didn't have the Senate then. So I've got the Senate, this is what we're gonna do. That's just real politic. I think Biden's problem right there was that the truth is that he, in, in effect, he is, he's losing his own base there because his base is saying to him, we're gonna pack the courts. So he, whether he thinks it's right or not, he can't say we're not gonna pack the courts because his out, he's out there with all of his rabid base saying, we're gonna do it. We're gonna pack the courts. We're gonna get rid of the electoral college. It's that we're gonna ruin all the norms. So that was, that was one thing. Um, let's, let's go to clip number two. Uh, this, well, here's Trump. And the fact well, he wants to shut down this country oh. and I wanna keep it open. And we you did a great thing by shutting it shut down. It down. Wait a minute, Jeff. Let, let me shut you down for a second, Jeff, just for one second. He wants to shut down the country. I, I'm going to shut you down. I mean, that, 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 that's a pretty good line. Um, I think this was one of those ones where, because they were talking over each other, it's like, there, there's, a, there's a real difference there. Like, this is a big one, right? The COVID situation and the lockdowns, this is a big one. And I think they both really had an opportunity to, to kind of win some points here. Trump saying, I want to open things up and really making that mark. I think that's, that's an effective mark. Um, and he did say leaving it up to the states and blah, 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 but that his, his ideal, it seemed like, would be to open up the country. And Biden has been implying, I think it was just in the last day or two, uh, this thing about that there would be a national uh, lockdown into, into 2021, something to that effect. Um, so, you know, this is, again, one of those ones, it was just, it was just a cheap little line. Let, let's move past that one. Uh, let's go to Trump and the economy. So we built the greatest economy in history. We closed it down because of the China plague. When the plague came in, we closed it down, which was very hard psychologically to do. He didn't think we should close it down, and he was wrong. And again, two million people would be dead now instead of Still, 204,000 people is too much. One person is too much. Should have never happened from China. But what happened is we closed it down and now we're reopening and we're doing record business. We had 10.4 million people in a four month period that we've put back into the workforce. That's a record the likes of which nobody's ever seen before. And he wants. Yeah. So this started as, you know, about COVID and when to shut down things and Trump saying this line about if we didn't do it this way you know, 2 million people would have died instead of 200,000 people. And I thought his line on, uh, you know, if one person dying is too many, that, that is the right sentiment, right? Uh, you know, a lot of this is insider baseball and it's, uh, you know, hindsight is 2020. You can always attack the guy who's in charge now. And I would have done this differently and the lockdown here. And, you know, let's not forget, like when Trump was trying to get travel from China stopped, people were calling him xenophobic and racist and all, all the usual, all the usual stuff. As far as the economic recovery, I mean, we're still in it right now. So I don't think either one of them really came off in this moment looking, looking particularly, particularly good. I mean, the point is, what, what answers do you have? The economy is coming back a bit, but if you keep hampering the economy with a lockdown, and then you don't honestly tell us what's going on with COVID, it's like, well, the economy really can't get going fully. And I don't think it's too much of a conspiracy to think that Democratic governors want to keep states locked down so the economy sucks and people don't know where to put that anger. So they just, they put it on Trump. They put it on the president. Like that, does, that doesn't strike me as a conspiracy theory. That just strikes me, that's real politic. Like politics is, is messy and dirty. And, and I think people actually end up doing, 
doing stuff like that. Uh, let's go a little bit more on the on the lockdowns because Trump went in on this idea of the of the democratic lockdowns. As long as I'm talking about this, uh, that's clip four. He will shut it down again. He will destroy this country. You know, a lot of people between drugs and alcohol and depression, when you start shutting it down, you take a look at what's happening at some of your Democrat-run states where they have these tough shutdowns. And I'm telling you, it's because they don't want to open it. One of them came out last week. You saw that. Oh, we're going to open up on November 9th. Why November 9th? Because it's after the election. They think they're hurting us by keeping them closed. They're hurting people. People know what to do. They can social distance. They can wash the hands. They can wear masks. They can do whatever they want. But they got to open these states up. When you look at North Carolina, when you look and these governors are under siege, Pennsylvania, Michigan and a couple of others, you got to open these states up. It's not fair. You're talking about almost it's like being in prison. And you look at what's going on with divorce. Look at what's going on with alcoholism and drugs. It's a very, very sad thing. And he'll close down the whole country. This guy will close down the whole country and destroy our country. Our country is coming back incredibly well, setting records as it does it. We don't need somebody to come in and say, let's shut it down. All right. So I actually thought that was a pretty solid moment uh, to loosely quote him there. He said, they're, they're hurting people. People know what to do. People know about social distancing. People know about wearing masks, but we got to let them live. And I thought that was probably his most human moment, too, when he talked about uh, depression and alcoholism and people getting divorced and all of that stuff. You know, that's not the stuff that we're really good about talking about at a, at a national level and politicians really aren't good talking about it. They, they love spouting numbers, 200 million this, 200,000 that. This, the GDP went up, you know, your, your 401k went down. That, that's the type of stuff. And we all kind of get lost in these numbers as if it's just about numbers. But there is a, a human element to this. And I think that was probably Trump's best moment because as I said, he was a little jumpy all night, but he was, he was human there. And I think he was trying to say that it's not all policy, right? It's not all that we can just come up with magical policies to make you feel better. What we can do is hopefully uh, open things up so you can make some decisions in your life. And even that, what lays beneath that, obviously, is that that is not perfect because not everyone's gonna make the right decisions and people could get sick and, and all of that. Uh, but I think Trump was, was doing something kind of human there. And when he, when he turned to Biden and he said, you know, this thing about, uh, you know, he's gonna keep the country locked down, it's like that is, that is seemingly what Biden will do, unless magically if Biden gets, uh, gets voted in, suddenly COVID goes away, which would be, uh, which would really be something. Um, yeah, the, the, the COVID thing that, that sort of sits there with all this is, is sort of interesting because we've been told right here, let me have some whiskey before I get to this one. Tastes better with the Star Wars helmet, um, with the Stormtrooper helmet. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's, COVID was how much of the, the debate here? It was maybe, I don't know, maybe 20%, something like that, maybe 15%. And it's like, if we are in the biggest worldwide pandemic of modern times and, and people are dying left and right and we've shut down the economy and everyone is hurting and all of those things, you'd think it, that the whole debate, the whole debate would have been about that. But in a certain way, it's just another piece of the puzzle here. And I think that's just like another one of the reasons that people have trouble focusing on actually what's important. And I think 
What Trump probably should be doing more is, is saying to people, and I think he would got to this a little bit, is we can't solve all of your problems. That would, that would kind of be, on, be the honest thing to do. Um, versus Biden, you know, when he keeps, he makes a point of talking directly to the camera, and you this, and do, 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 do. And it's like, you know, and this is what we wanna help you. We wanna help you, it's for you. It's like, I'm very leery of people that just wanna give me stuff because they're so great, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think these guys can, can really give me a lot. Uh, let's, let's move on um, because this, is, this was sort of interesting. I referenced uh, one of the quotes here. Uh, this is clip number seven. And uh, this is when they got into to race a little bit. And there were some weird moments here. And, and at least one point where I think Trump dropped the ball and will probably regret it. Right. You so did a crime bill, 1994, where you called them super predators, African-Americans, super predators. And they've never forgotten it. They've never forgotten it, Jeff. No, no, sir. It's his two minutes. So you did that and they call you a super predator. And I'm letting people out of jail now that you have treated the African-American population community. You have treated the black community about as bad as anybody in this country. You did the 1990. And that's why, if you look at the polls, I'm doing better than any Republican has done in a long time, because they saw what you did. You call them super predators, and you've called them worse than that, because you look back at your testimony over the years, you've called them a lot worse than that. As far as the church is concerned, and as far as the generals are concerned, we just got the support of 200 mil 250 military leaders and generals, total support. Law enforcement, almost every law enforcement group in the United States. I have Florida, I have Texas, I have Ohio, I have every, excuse me, Portland. The sheriff just came out today and he said, I support President Trump, I don't think you have any law enforcement. You can't even say the word law enforcement, because if you say those words, you're going to lose all of your radical left supporters. And why aren't you saying those words, Joe? Why don't you say the words law enforcement? Because you know what? If they called us in Portland, we would put out that fire in a half an hour, but they won't do it because they're run by radical left Democrats. If you look at Chicago, if you look at any place you want to look, Seattle, they heard we were coming in the following day and they put up their hands and we got back Seattle. Minneapolis, we got it back, Joe, because we believe in law and order, but you don't. The top 10 cities and just about the top 40 cities are run by Democrats and in many cases, radical left. And they've got you wrapped around their finger, Joe, to a point where you don't want to say anything about law and order. And I'll tell you what, the people of this country want and demand law and order, and you're afraid to even say it. Okay, so that actually struck me as Trump's probably best run of the whole thing because they were obviously talking about what's on everyone's mind, which is riots and protests and burning down of cities and the attacks on law enforcement and people being afraid. And, and more than anything else, when I hear now of liberals or lefties that are going, I've just had it with the Democratic Party, I don't know what's going on here or anything else. It's because of that. It's because of literally their own safety. So I think that was sort of Trump at, at his best tonight. And he did make an interesting point, and I've been hitting it for quite some time, that if Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and these all Democratic-run cities that are, that are on fire and burning down, if they won't do anything, then the feds have to get involved. And, and he said it very quickly, so you'd have to sort of be paying attention to the, to the story over the last couple of months to really know what he was saying. But his point was when we threatened to send in the feds and when we did do some stuff, things got cleaned up real quick, right? And, and that is true. CHOP in Seattle is no more. Portland 
has been largely cleaned up because of the threat. It, it isn't because of Mayor Ted Wheeler who moved out of his apartment complex because they got violent with him too, even though he's a far lefty. So I think that was probably Trump's best moment. When I said before the clip that he had his worst moment, it was couched around this when the question was idiotically loaded by Chris, uh, by Chris Wallace. This thing about um, will Trump will Trump condemn white supremacy? Now Chris Wallace knows that Trump has done this repeatedly. He knows, even though he didn't say it before, as I mentioned in the Charlottesville thing, he knows Trump has said it. Then they got into an exchange where Biden, Wallace, and Trump were all talking at the exact same time, and Trump needed to just get in there and say, and he started saying it, but he never finished. He started saying something. He fumbled. He turned to Wallace. He's fighting with him. Biden was talking. And he needed to say, without question, I, I condemn white supremacy. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking, and you're right, that this is, it's a false question, and it's an unfair question, and he's done it before and everything else. The problem is that what you have to understand is that while, while you guys who watch things online, while you see that, the average person doesn't see the truth of the Charlottesville story. The, other, the average person doesn't see him condemning these things. So in that moment where he didn't just flat out say, his, he, he should have, he started doing it, and then you know he speaks in a sometimes stilted way, and then Wallace and Biden got in, and he never actually said it. He kept saying, well, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? I think his implication was, I've said this before. Like, what else do you want me to say? But I think that's the the line that the campaign is gonna look at and go, okay, we, we dropped the ball on that. And it's unfortunate because it's a false question. And I think that was sort of what Trump was, was talking about. And then of course, within that, uh, when they were getting into the whole race thing, was the whole critical race theory thing. And that's where uh, Biden called, called Trump racist also. I mean, that just, it just doesn't work anymore. Like, does anyone, really, I, if you're watching this right now and you're a huge Biden supporter, Really, I, I'm really curious about this. Like, do you really think that what motivates Trump is racism? That what he wants to do is keep people down based on their race? Even though at his State of the Union this past year, he was talking about all-time low black unemployment. And while he did it, the Congressional Black Caucus and all of the Democrats sat there like this. Like, that would be the type of thing that you'd all be applauding, right? Like, in a, in a sane world. Um, so I just don't, I don't think those arguments work anymore. Just saying, oh, you're racist, you're racist. Um, I just don't think it works. Um, but, but as I said at the beginning of this, one of the, the key issues here is that if you're a Democrat, and, and this is, I think, Trump's sort of greatest gift. Trump understands that it's not just Democrats versus Republicans, it's Democrats and the media versus Republicans. So Biden can, can lie about some of the things that I've, I've brought up here, but most importantly, the, the Charlottesville thing. And he knows that the lie will just continue because the mainstream media won't touch it. Now, thankfully, because of alternative media, you guys are able to see it. Um, but if Trump lies about anything, and I think he was actually pretty solid, like it didn't, I'm sure I'll be corrected if I'm wrong, but it didn't strike me that he threw up any like major whoppers up there tonight. Uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be things on, you know, numbers related to the economic recovery or this or that, right? Like fudging of numbers and they all kind of fudge numbers. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the other lines, I want to show one more clip and then uh, analyze it a little bit. This, this was the moment when um, Biden said that Antifa is an idea not an organization. Now, Antifa, which coordinates on Twitter, which we know is an actual organization of people that is quite well-funded, and it is an actual group of people who are out there 
to organize, to burn down cities, or just do whatever the hell it is they want. Uh, I have been to plenty of events that have been protested by Antifa. So they're not an idea. If they were just an idea, I would go to my events, they would be successful, and I would hear about an idea. You know, there's this idea from these people called Antifa, and they uh, have these feelings about this or that. Well, they actually do show up to events. Uh, this is an event that I did last year. I'm sure some of you have seen this clip. This thing went absolutely viral. I did an event up in in Canada. We were in, I believe we were in Hamilton, Canada, Canada, and I did an event, a free speech event, which I did it with Maxime Bernier from the People's Party of Canada. He's basically a libertarian up there. We had Muslims and Jews and Christians and straight people and gay people and black people and white people and everybody on stage and we had a, we had a great time. But Antifa was out there protesting. They were throwing stuff at us as we went in. Somebody knocked a little coffee on my shirt. Um, you know, if you're being protested, this is, goes for everybody uh, because it'll come to you one day. If you're ever being protested, and you have to get into a building, don't hold a hot open coffee with you. It's just not a great idea. Anyway, uh, let's just throw to this video of this woman trying to get to the event that I was talking about. And remember, Joe Biden said that Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to drink for that one. Cheers, Grammy. Um okay, so it turns out that 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 elderly woman who was coming to an event that all we talked about was free speech. All we talked about was free speech. The opening of that event that was all about free speech was by uh, a Muslim professor, an immigrant to Canada, talking about how wonderful the Western world is and everything else. I mean, the, the idea that anything racist there happened is, is just absolutely ridiculous, but this woman's being called a Nazi, this woman in her, in her walker. And I have, I have dozens of other stories of speaking over the last couple of years and having to deal with that. And it's not just me, and it's not just Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson and all the people who have been threatened with violence and the rest of it by Antifa. So this is not an idea. And why is it, Joe Biden, why? I mean, explain to me why, unless you're afraid to inflame your base and say, Antifa, you're bad. Antifa, Antifa, however you wanna say it. Antifa, you are bad guys. You cannot take over roads. You cannot violently uh, take over buildings and burn things down. Why can't you just say that? Because so much of the base is mixed up in that, that he can't say it. And that's, Trump really was hitting on that with the law and order stuff, right? And you, you, you don't wanna talk about law and order, you don't wanna talk about law enforcement. So that I think Trump did a nice job with, but but Biden is going to have. I hope that he'll continue to get pushed on this. Antifa, they are not the good guys. Uh, just yesterday, here in L.A., uh, at a place that on a Sunset Boulevard, famous Sunset Boulevard that everyone knows, Sunset Boulevard, right? They Antifa and BLM, just these groups, and and partly they're amorphous by design. So you can say they're an idea, not an organization. You don't know exactly who's there. It's not like they're walking around with laminated cards. Hi, I'm a member of Antifa. Um, so what did they do? They just literally just shut down Sunset Boulevard, right at the Laugh Factory, right over there. There's a great, there's a great old school deli there. And I used to get my hair cut on that corner and they just decided to shut down the street. Now you may like whatever it is that they're about. You may love radical Marxism and crazy communism and all the bananas lefty stuff, but you can't vote it in then. I, you know, <laughs> vote in your communism you geniuses, but you can't just take over streets. So when Biden says it's an idea, like that's the worst 
sort of pandering, but, but I think what's happened here is it'll backfire on him because people can see the videos. And this is also why, why the big tech thing is so important right now, because big tech and YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, these are, the, these are the ways that we can communicate with each other. So if they're messing with us with algorithms and shadow bans and the rest of it, well then eventually we won't be able to see the counter narrative. So sort of what you're seeing here, uh, and, and I think maybe we'll, we'll be done with the clips and I'll just kind of talk to you about sort of philosophically sort of what we're seeing is it's very obvious to me that when you watch that debate tonight, um, even if you like one of the two guys, that we are sort of at the end of a certain something. Doesn't it feel like like watching two guys, you know, in their 70s argue about the way the world was and who's better and the, the insults and the way that it's not really a debate? Like I would have rather put the two of the guys on stage I don't even know that you need a moderator. moderator. Get to it, guys. You got an hour and a half. Talk it out. Like, you know, let's do some old school, you know, Lincoln Douglas stuff. Um, but it does seem like we're, we're getting to the end. I think that, that what 2020 will mark in many ways will be the last year of this sort of conventional politics stuff at the, at the presidential level. Like, it's not going to just happen overnight. But I think we are getting to the place that we will start having new school candidates, people who will talk differently and think differently. And I think there'll be a way that they won't be so part of the system because even Trump who's against the system is, you know, he's a billionaire who's in the system. Like it just felt like the whole thing just felt very sort of like, oh, like this isn't working. And, and by the way, you know, I saw he go on Twitter and I, I know, I know, I know guys, you can't judge the world uh, by Twitter. But there was a lot of sort of like general like, bleh, like what's happening here? Like nothing, this doesn't really feel like much of anything. Um, which also is sort of interesting because you know we've got five weeks of this thing left. And if we just have a lot of sort of, oh, it's just, it's just not much, then that sort of suppresses the vote. And who does that help? I don't know, I don't know. But I'd really be curious to know for that, that sliver in the middle, that sliver in the middle, who are you? And, and what could move you at this point? That's what I'm saying. So when everybody on the networks, as I said before, as when everyone on the networks is declaring their winners and losers, that, that's, just, that's just show business, right? Like that's just, oh, my guy won, your guy lost, like this is, this is WWE or it's a football game. But that's not really what matters. What matters is if anyone actually moved because of this. And, and even that doesn't necessarily matter because unless they're mailing in their vote today, assuming that mail-in votes are actually gonna make it all the way to be counted, uh, we've still got some more debates. We've still got two more debates, plus a vice presidential debate, plus five weeks where, where absolutely anything could happen. So my, my gut feeling is this doesn't move the dial much. Um, one of the interesting things was, uh, you know, I had to figure out, I don't, I don't have cable anymore. Most people don't have cable. I think everyone's sort of cutting, cutting the cord, which is also one of the reasons why cable feels so archaic and ridiculous because more and more people are ignoring it. So they sort of have to get more hysterical to kind of keep us paying attention. Uh, but I don't have regular television. So we, we watched on YouTube and we watched the, the ABC feed. Um, that just happened to be the one I was watching on Hulu, and, and I guess they're in a partnership with ABC. So I was watching George Stephanopoulos before, and he had a couple analysts on. Now, George Stephanopoulos, Stephanopoulos remember this, and this is an important piece to remember. George Stephanopoulos was uh, Bill Clinton's, I think he was his chief of staff. Was he, he was either the chief of staff, can we confirm that George Stephanopoulos, was he Clinton's chief of staff, or, or he might have been 
uh, spokesman. It's one or the other, but he was in the, I think it was chief of staff, but he was in the Clinton administration. And now he's, you know, the network anchor for ABC News as if he can somehow be unbiased in that. And, and from the five or 10 minutes that I watched right before, it's like all, it's very obvious. It's just very obvious that all of the people talking about the news, it was being framed as Trump is scary and he's a bad man and Joe Biden can come in and he's the good man and he must be statesmanlike and, and smart and clean and decent and talk about a positive future and all that. And it's like, well, you guys are all in it for him. And again, that's what really, it's in a weird way. It's like this election is about, uh, is about the media more than, more than uh, Trump or Biden. And he was the White House communications director. He was not the chief of staff. I stand corrected. Ladles and jelly spoons, what do we do here at the Rubin Report? If I make a mistake, we correct it on air because I won't leave it to factcheck.org or Snopes to fact check me. So I, I got one slightly wrong there. You got me internet. And now, now the, the YouTubers that spend all day long waiting for Dave Rubin to get something wrong, there's your clip guys. You can clip it and get a lot of YouTube views. I did that for you, you losers. Uh, okay, I got about, uh, about two minutes left and then I'm jumping over uh, to the blaze. Uh, the guys over there are doing a live stream with an analyst. So I will be on with Glenn Beck and the team. So you can jump over, I believe it's on their YouTube channel. Uh, or if you're a subscriber to the Blaze TV, you can check it out over there. So I'm gonna jump over there. But anyway, that, that's my summation of the evening. There were no major winners. I thought there was a lot of just sort of, a lot of, a lot of kind of nothingness. I think if you're Donald Trump, you make a statement tomorrow where he just kind of comes out. He's never gonna say I made a mistake, right? That's not Trump's style. But he could just come out and do something on the white supremacy thing because that obviously is gonna be what the media runs with. Or he can wait and clean it up in the, in the next debate. Um, but I think he did stumble on that one. You know, Biden, look, Biden won't get called out for anything because he stood up there and, and his head didn't explode. And that, that's a win for Biden because the, that, that was the risk, by the way. Of course, that was the risk. I tweeted out this morning. I mean, the risk was that, that the Trump side was getting so overconfident because there's so many clips of Biden faltering and stammering and yammering and the whole thing that all he had to do was show up and not completely implode. And he clearly didn't implode. So in a, in a certain way, that's a win for him. But I would say in, in real reality, I think we're, we're basically looking at a wash on this thing. I don't think it moved anybody. But if it did move you, I would, I would absolutely love to know about it. Uh, and you can join us at rubenreport.com. That's where I can actually read comments and communicate with you guys. And you can post videos and pictures and the rest of it. So it's rubenreport.com. And I would love, if you are someone that was truly moved tonight, or if you know somebody, if you were sitting there, watching this with someone, and most likely they were drunk, and then they said, I was moved by that statement, now I know I'm gonna vote for. I wanna know who that is. Uh, the rest of it's kind of theater, and, uh, and, it, and it's kind of fun, and it's also a little, a little scary, and it's a little like, what's going on with this freaking world? Um, but there will be more debates. I think, I think uh, we'll see over the next five or six weeks which directions the campaigns go in? Does Trump try to be a little calmer next time? Does Biden perhaps reel in some of the stuff? I mean, Trump, it was, I'll just say this last thing. What was obvious was that Trump was trying, I think, to get Biden agitated because it seems like Biden loses himself when he gets agitated. So it kind of worked that the, you're dumb, you're a racist, uh, you're the worst president in American history. There were a couple lines like that. And that's where Biden, then Biden doesn't look very presidential, right, when he's doing that. So I think Trump's tactic was, let me knock him off the off his pedestal right at the beginning. So the whole time he's just trying to get back and 
get his balance. And that never kind of works. So they'll go back in, they'll, they'll talk to the, to the debate coaches and they'll talk to their teams and they'll probably try to read the tea leaves of what the public's saying and they'll, and they'll uh, come back with slightly different strategies next time. But I think there's no winners here. Certainly wasn't the American people tonight. And on that note, check me out on The Blaze on their YouTube channel right now or at blazetv.com and I'll be back in the morning. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll sleep on it. I'll have a little more whiskey and then I'll sleep on it and then maybe some other post-debate thought will pop in my head. You never know. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you tomorrow.